Blog Talk Radio. some thoughts on this Memorial Day weekend. This Memorial Day, we remember those heroes who courageously gave their lives. The service members we honor came from all walks of life. They shared several fundamental qualities. They possessed courage, pride, determination, selflessness, dedication to duty and integrity, all the qualities needed to serve a cause larger than oneself. Many of them didn't ask to leave their homes to fight on distant battlefields. Many didn't even volunteer. They didn't go to war because they loved fighting. They were called to be part of something bigger than themselves. They were ordinary people who responded in extraordinary ways in extreme times They rose to the nation's call because they wanted to protect the nation which has given them, us, so much. Millions of Americans have fought and died on battlefields here and abroad to defend our freedoms and way of life. Today our troops continue to make the ultimate sacrifices and even as we lose troops, more Americans step forward to say, I'm ready to serve. They follow in the footsteps of generations of fine Americans. The idea of Memorial Day, originally called Decoration Day, arose from the ashes of the Civil War. Following the Civil War, at least 620,000 Americans 
both Union and Confederate, had been killed and hundreds of thousands more were maimed. Through the course of the war, Americans had blasted at each other's lines with cannons and burned cities and towns on our own soil. Americans had locked each other in prison of war camps and torn up the railroads connecting north to south. Although there are different versions of how Memorial Day began, one story goes that the grieving families, both northern and southern, began decorating the graves of their lost soldiers with flowers and wreaths. In one city in Mississippi, people decorated the graves of both Union and Confederate troops out of respect for the families of the Union soldiers and with the hope that someone would do the same for their lost loved ones in the North. These informal honors led to the first Memorial Day observance in Waterloo, New York on May 5, 1866. Congress officially recognized Memorial Day as a federal holiday in 1887. Since then, with each passing year and subsequent conflicts, we've continued to honor our troops. We have awarded medals to many soldiers, added their names to the monuments and named buildings for them to honor them for their bravery. But nothing can ever replace the hole left behind by a falling, fallen service member. And no number of medals and ribbon, ribbons can comfort the ones left behind. We see every day the beautiful symbol of America, a piece of cloth with 50 stars and 13 stripes that we call Old Glory. It represents many things to us, but the most respectful display is when it is put upon the casket of a fallen hero and then folded and placed in the arms of a family member. This remarkable piece of cloth keeps freedom alive for the past, present, and the future. Good afternoon, folks. The Airline Radio Talk Show and the Eastern Airlines Radio Show are on the air live with a Another episode of Airline Talk News and History. We call it the Airline Radio Hour, bringing you stories from here and there, one airline to another with live conversation. My name is Neil Holland. I'm a retired captain with Eastern Airlines and producer of the show. And if you're listening in on the show's website, which is blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie, and you'd like to call in and talk with our guest host or just to add your memories and comments, then why not call us at 213-816-1611. Again, that's 213-816-1611. I will see your number on my producer's board and ask if you'd like to join the host and share those memories with us. Uh, we are a satellite-based radio station, as I've said in the past, and I like to say it again, we're heard around the world. As a matter of fact, we have listeners in over 50 countries now. We like to talk about our broadcast antenna, which is, in fact, 22,000 miles above the earth. Now, if you'd like to give us a call, share your thoughts, especially on this Memorial Day. 
Let's repeat the number, 213-816-1611. And we couldn't have a show without having someone to talk with, be listening to my gravelly voice and get tired of that in just a few minutes. So we've got some other gravelly voices here that I want to introduce. Uh, one is uh, Captain uh, Jim Holder, who I see is on my producer's board. And hello, Jim. How are you? Where are you? And how's the weather? Well, the weather is beautiful. It's clear. My wife is out working in the yard, and uh, I like that. <laughs> I don't have to go help her. I'm on the radio show. There and, you go. Uh, yeah, we're in uh, Atlanta, and uh, glad to be here. Welcome, okay. everybody. Okay. All right. Here's another gravelly, <laughs> gravelly voice uh, in uh, Dripping Springs, Texas. I've already told you where he is, but I like to see that uh, town. I, I love that name, Jim, Captain Jim Harris. How are you? Hey, everything is good today. It's another wonderful, beautiful day here in Dripping Springs, Texas. It's uh, 83 degrees. I got a southerly breeze about, I don't know, four or five miles an hour. And uh, it's just another wonderful day. It's uh, a lovely day here. Pleasant 83 degrees. Wow. Okay. All right. Good day. Good Memorial Day CF- weekend. It's a CFB day. CFPA. Clear C- fair, yeah, C-A-F-B. Clears the bell. Clears the bell. Uh, yeah. I, we all learned Cavu, C-A-V-U, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. early in our careers. And uh, and uh, I, I hadn't clears – yeah, clears the bell. Okay, that's all yeah. I'll say. <laughs> and, and, of course, and, of course, you know Bohica, too. Yeah, yeah, I know that one, too. <laughs> Boy, y'all are going too fast for me. I can't do okay. both. Well, we're not going to explain it to you, Jim. No, no. <laughs> and, again, we've got area code 321. I'm not sure, so I'm just going to ask, who is that area code 321? It's Ray now. Hey, Raymond, my good friend from you, back Neil? in the 50s. We were teenagers then. Together. Yeah, we were teenagers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope everything is going well for you in Melbourne, Florida, because that's where Ray lives. I think it is somewhere around Melbourne. It's, Melbourne. it's in Indian Harbor Beach, a little beachside community. Okay. And we've been All here right. 48 years and enjoying uh, good weather as well. Well, you burned a mortgage many years ago, and that's great. That's super. All right. You know, uh, I just kind of looked at some thoughts about Memorial Day and picked those that I read early uh, in the show here and uh, added my own comments to the last paragraph uh, about uh, our flag because uh, here in my subdivision, every uh, patriotic uh, holiday that we have, the service members of all wars that live here in World Golf Village, where I live, uh, go down the boulevard, I guess it would be called a boulevard, it's a trail, but it's uh, the main road through our subdivision. And they put up, uh, golly, it must be a hundred, a couple of hundred American flags uh, and insert them along the way on both sides. So that when you're driving into the subdivision or out of the subdivision, you've got those flags waving at you. 
and what a what a sight to see that and uh, uh, they take them down uh, after the holiday or the the day Memorial Day and Veterans Day and some of the other holidays July 4th but uh, I wish uh, a lot of other subdivisions did that but the thing that uh, I like about where I live especially my little cul-de-sac I call it the 600 block because all the mailboxes start with 600 and something and uh, we all have American flags hanging out of our attached right alongside of our garages and it really it really makes you feel good especially on days like what we're about to celebrate Monday the 29th so that's my thoughts about the holiday and I'm sure there'll be uh, a lot of uh, uh, grills cranked up steaks cooking hot dogs hamburgers so I'm going to ask each of you, what are you going to do on Memorial Day? What's your weekend like, Jim Holder, coming up? My weekend, I think, is completely open. I don't believe <laughs> I have. Well, let me think. I don't want to be that boring. Uh, what am I going to be doing? I can't think need, of what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> you need an invitation by someone to call you and tell you to come on over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah come see me or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, boy. Jim Harris, you're down a, at the end of the street down there. What's happening over there at your house? You cooking some steaks, or what are you doing, Jim? I, I'm on a dead-end road here on top of the hill, and I'm not planning on anything right now, but it's early yet. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not the only one. <laughs> you're not, no, you're not the only one. Hey, look, if I eat everything I wanted, I weigh a whole heck of a lot more than I do, so I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and uh, Raymond, it's what's easy. happening down there? What's happening there on the Space Coast? Well, it, it'll be somewhat quiet, although Sunday we'll go to church and uh, thank uh, the good man upstairs for giving us the opportunity of uh, being an American on this particular weekend. Amen. And on uh, Monday we'll have our uh, flag out to uh, recognize those that have served. Very good. Excellent. Yeah. Well, Dale, don't, yeah, Jim. Don't tell anybody this, but I do have something big happening tomorrow. I just remembered it. <laughs> Carrie is having a cookout for her granddaughter, who is down uh, Ohio someplace up there. She's 21 years old. And the next-door neighbor's son, he's coming to it, and a whole bunch of other people are coming to it. And thank goodness the, the Braves will play in tomorrow night, not tomorrow afternoon, so I'll be able to watch the game. And uh, don't anybody tell her I didn't have anything to do, so I have a lot to do. <laughs> as soon as the show's over, I'll call her. Yeah, I got it. I'll tell you, it, 82 years old, you just don't, your brain don't work anymore. Yeah, yeah. 82, my foot. I know how old you are. Okay, 86, then. <laughs> yeah, well, how about 87? 87. Uh, and Raymond, you're, you're in your 80s, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah both right. he and I are at both the same age, same month, same year. Uh, well, uh-oh, yeah. let's get a little deep now, Neil. <laughs> That'd be three of us then. <laughs> yeah. Raymond, I've, you're in your 80s, aren't you? Yeah, I'll be 83 in a few more weeks. I thought so, yeah, yeah. That's why I say teenagers back in the 50s. Yeah, back in the, back <laughs> in the 50s, that's right, yeah. 
Well, we were all Eastern Airlines, and and um, I'm so glad that um, they chose. What's the Marines' motto? I used to get it all backwards. I would say, always few applied, few like applied, but many were chosen. Is that the way it goes? Yeah. yeah. Or is I'm... it the other way? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, anyhow, uh, I've got something I want to read you here, and um, I think you guys will agree that we we need to give a round of applause to all the mechanics that kept us in the air. And I found mm-hmm. this little poem. It's a short poem, and it reads as follows. It's to all those who fixed the planes. Here's to the man with greasy hands who fuel our planes when the pilot lands, who change the tires and oil the squeaks, fix the flak damage and stop the leaks, tend to the controls to make them fly straight, wait for the planes when the pilots are late, who smooth the scratches and rivet the panels, check loud and clear on the radio channels, who read the write-ups and make the repairs, Check the lines and wires for chafing and tears. Who pull the chocks and walk the wings and do the million maintenance things. Who watch as the birds take off and flies. So here's a salute to those hard-working guys from a group of flyers who seldom ponder the men who keep us up in the wild blue yonder. Pretty neat little poem, I think. Absolutely. I also do. Yeah. Now, before I start asking questions, I got one more little thing to read. And I told her, she said she'd be listening. Jenny Lorraine uh, sent me on Facebook uh, this little message about her airline. And she wants to, uh, uh, to tell about what her thoughts were. And she said uh, to me, she addresses it, thank you, To That's my request that she send me her thoughts about Eastern. I grew up flying Eastern until I was 12. My single mom worked in reservations. We did not have a lot of money, however. Those travel benefits made us feel like we did. We got to see and do so much, whether it was a ride on if you had wings at Disney for the 10th time or eating those giant pineapples in first class on the way to San Juan, it was magic. The pilots were always nice to us and sometimes would announce, sometimes would announce we would like to welcome aboard Jen, Jess, and Scott. The flight attendants would tell us what movie is playing in another part of the plane to see if we wanted to watch something different. Everyone was great to us. It was so exciting getting dressed up. I had my special airplane dress that I swore I would get us it would get us on flights. I never even knew what coach was like until I was older. Where are the little salt and pepper shakers? Laugh out loud. Two of Families such as ours, single mom with three kids and no assistance, this is where I fell in love with all things travel-related. I love the airline industry. 
When I was in college, I got a job with Midway Airlines and did several years working in different positions. It was great, but truly nothing could compare to the overall amazing family of Eastern Airlines. I've been out of the business now for 20 years, and don't you know I am itch, itching to go back. It never does leave your bloodstream, does it? Your radio show and podcast brings back all those great feelings and experiences I had as a kid. Thank you to all of you for keeping the name of Eastern Airlines spirit alive. For all those memories, keeping us safe on your planes, and for, connect, for the kindness you showed us once again a long time ago. Wow. Uh, I don't know if I could ever put words like she did together about the airline she worked for. And uh, I'm sure you guys beautiful, feel the same beautiful. way about Eastern. But you know, Neil, with having been manager for the Disney project, it really hit home to me, to say the least. Yeah. And hearing the many visits that, that uh, if you had wings, that was uh, brought back a lot of memories uh, to myself during that uh, dissertation. Thank you. Well, thank you, Raymond, now for being the upfront person for Eastern Airlines at Disney World when it began. The whole thing was put together. So thank you for uh, uh, a great job of representing our airline at Disney and helping uh, put the uh, exhibit and everything together. You did a great job, you and your team. It was a, it was a team. There was, you know, everybody was uh, involved, and no one uh, had a title when we were a team together. We were there to make sure that everyone had a great time and a great visit and enjoyed uh, Eastern Airlines along the way, to say the least. Well, you know, since we're talking about Disney, here's my first question. It's not in my lineup here, but here's a question. I think we, well, with the exception of Jim, I don't know if you have any children or not, but uh, Jim Harris. Jim Harris does not. Okay. So I'm going to ask Jim Holder and Raymond, when did you first take your kids, whether it was your kids or your grandkids, to Disney World? Jim Holder? Yes, I can remember it clearly because I just bought a 1969 Ford Country Squire, and we <laughs> rode down there in that beautiful car and went down with Rory Wren. You know Rory Wren. I do. And oh, his yeah. family. And we yeah. went down there together, and we had a wonderful time, wonderful time. How many years so, had this been open? 1969. When did the park first open, Raymond? It was October 50. of 71. 71, okay. Right. Okay. And and uh, how about you? Uh, did, did your children see Disney uh, early in the, in the they park? They did uh, because I was lucky I could park and bring the kids in <laughs> with me when I went to work and uh, give them a chance to see. They were very, very young. In fact, um, uh, one of them was not born at that time. So two of them, in fact, our daughter, who is the oldest of our three children, she had the uh, opportunity of cutting the ribbon for the grand opening, if you had wings, 
with uh, the Disney uh, staff as well as the Eastern staff together. So it was a lot of memories there over the many years. In fact, my um, daughter, who was the uh, ribbon cutter, uh, she also had the first television ad for Walt Disney World uh, inviting uh, everyone out to uh, the Easter holidays in 1972 and uh, she has a video of that and it was the speaking part she was what four I think uh, four or five and uh, so and now her son is working at Disney he works at one of the restaurants at uh, uh, the Contemporary Hotel so there's three generations that have been involved with our family, with uh, the Disney program. My experience was that uh, we went early with my son and daughter, Scott and Shay. And then uh, the second time I went back, uh, it was with with, uh, their children, uh, my daughter's children, two at the time. Mm -hmm. She has three now, but two. And the youngest one was about four years old, five years old. And so... uh, their mom and dad had one bedroom, and my wife and I, they wanted to sleep with us in our bedroom. And so we had a joining room, and um, they were so excited about going to see Mickey Mouse. A four-year-old just could not stay. Um, he could not go to sleep. And I told him, I said, the sooner you get to sleep, the sooner you'll see Mickey. And he just could not do it. So I told him, I said, you know what always works with me, Jeffrey, is if you start counting sheep jumping over a fence, I bet you'll be asleep by the time you get to the 10th sheep jumping over that fence. So the lights were out. All was quiet. A minute or two went by, and Jeffrey says, this is not working. (laughs) 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 <laughs> this is not working, but, but he was trying. He was putting his heart into it, but they had a wonderful time, and I think Ford is a little bit early to go to Disney World, but uh, golly, Pete, how many people have gone? And uh, Okay, well, since we're here, uh, we, we uh, got everyone here. I want to ask you a question or two, and... Um, Let's see where I can start. You guys, I sent you a list of all the questions I had. I think I did. We've already talked about what your, what your favorite plane was to work. Raymond, I don't know whether you worked planes out there uh, in the operations that you were in charge of in the Melbourne area. Yes, I was involved with the uh, Shawnee uh, Stoleport. Okay. From Orlando to uh, Disney World. The okay. Havilland. De Havilland. I didn't know right. we had the Havillands. Oh. It was Shawnee Airlines that was one. Oh. But we Disney handled the ground operation of it, but it, my office was right there at the uh, Stoll Port. Okay. And All on, right. On the Disney property, so it was interesting, a different concept to say the least. Okay. Well, one of these days when we get off air, I'm going to ask you about, well, never mind. Let's not go there. <laughs> uh, here's a question for you. I think 
Raymond, you were hired with Eastern before the two, of, the three of us, uh, Jim, Jim, and myself, because you were on the property. Yeah, you were. When did 19, you get hired? Nineteen fifty-eight. Fifty-eight. Nineteen fifty-eight. Okay. Wow. Wow. You must. Have, I started you must, out as the mailboy. Yeah, you were riding bicycles around the eastern property, weren't you? Absolutely. Delivering mail to all the offices there at head, uh, throughout the uh, headquarters and to the old terminal on 36th Street. So, wow, got a lot of memories of uh, of the of Eastern and its days. And then my father-in-law worked in stores, and my wife was a recruit res agent, a flight attendant, and a flight attendant recruiter. And then my oldest son, uh, Chris. He worked at the airport in Melbourne and during college at the very, very end of Eastern Airlines. So we had three generations working uh, there for Eastern. Okay. And all right. Well, Jim Harris, uh, uh, were you surprised that Eastern hired you? And, and how were you notified that you were hired? Um, yeah, I was, I was, I don't know if I was surprised or not, but I sure was happy about it. I can safely say, I can safely say that uh, 30 October 1966 was the happiest day of my life because the next day I was going to be working for Eastern Airlines. Okay. And that was definitely the happiest day of my life. It, it was wonderful. I enjoyed every day of it. It was so much fun. I, I couldn't believe they paid me for it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a light. I'm a light airplane pilot. I'm a, I'm a flat pilot, light airplane pilot, and uh, I got hired with 300 hours in my logbook. Wow! But I had a, but I, had, but I had, a, I had a college degree and uh, instrument rating and a commercial rating, and uh, at the time that was enough. Well, I don't know whether you'd make it in today's world of hiring from the airlines. Uh, I don't but, uh, know. Um, uh, they are reaching. They're looking, yeah, they're reaching out now. Yeah, they're looking for warm bodies. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's still the it's the most wonderful job in the world. I I loved every minute of it. God, it was so much fun taking your multi billion dollar toy and go somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> 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 to go somewhere. <laughs> I never right. heard it put that way. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah. Jim and Jim Holder and Jim Harris, yeah, you know, we, we pilots always say, and they pay us to do this. And I always yeah, say, okay, you yeah. know, if I, were, if I were at contract time and negotiating a new contract with the pilots, I would certainly pull out all those voice recorders, and I would look through there and hear all of those. They pay us to do this. They actually pay us That's to right. do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But here again, I have heard not only pilots, but mechanics, uh, folks like Raymond that uh, worked in marketing and sales and starting new things for the company and reservations and flight attendants, they are all saying the same thing about their company. Mm-hmm. And uh, Very much so. Yeah. And, so it's, and I, I don't think there's any question Eastern Airlines was the best airline the world has ever seen. Uh, it, it certainly a, shows up that way at, every day at, at Facebook because there are about 20 different Facebook pages representing Eastern, and I think the next one is probably Pan Am, and I think they have about six one six 
but I've never seen so many different people that have started Facebook pages about Eastern Airlines. Amazing. It's so, a lot of history. A lot of yeah, history. I don't. I don't see exactly. how it could be any better, except it would have wished it would have gone on longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, and here's something I've been thinking about too, Neil. You know, we say retired. Ah, we're not retired. We're forcibly displaced. Yeah. <laughs> We were going to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. You I, think, that. I think that's a pretty good. I think that's a pretty good description. Forcibly displaced because we didn't retire. I wish I could have. Couldn't afford to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well. Oh, yeah. At any rate, uh, how about you, Jim Holder? You've told it before, but when you were hired, and uh, were you surprised that they notified you that you had a class date? I think you replaced somebody, best I can recall. Oh, he showed up. Uh, I was with nine. There was nine of us, and they were all ex-military and all older than me, and all had more time than that I did. I was a military pilot, but I didn't have as much time as we didn't see Captain J.K. Gimmel. Joe Gimmel, and uh, within about, I'd estimate somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes, On uh, he asked me how you put the nose gear down on a Connie uh, if it didn't have hydraulic pressure to do it. And I act like I grabbed that handle and said, with 265 strokes here, puts it down. He said, could you start Monday? I've never been so surprised in my life. You know, I was the first guy to go in, and this was in the first 10 minutes he's offered me a job. I mean, I could not believe it. He could not believe it. And, uh, yeah, the guy was told that he called and said he couldn't make it. He didn't think. And Joe said, well, you be ready, and I'll send you a telegram Sunday. This was on a Friday. And uh, come or don't come. And they sent me said don't come, but that meant I was in the next. Two weeks later, I was in the next place. So yeah. that's about as fast to getting hired as anybody I've ever heard. Yeah. And it ain't yeah. and every word is that is true. Every single word. It it didn't need fact. And they didn't hire any of the other guys. None of the other guys got hired. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Joe was a fine guy, really. I, oh, I, I saved Joe one lot. I saved him one time. We almost wound up in jail. That's another story. <laughs> Portland, Oregon, and George yeah, just wouldn't yeah. quit drinking. He would not quit drinking. Got out on the expressway in the center oh. lane on the expressway. Oh, boy. oh that's. Yeah. At any rate, um, <laughs> yeah. but we had plenty, plenty of time on our layover to recover from that. So he was yeah. okay the next time when we went out to fly. Yeah. You remember? Yeah, you guys remember? Like, you guys remember yeah. your starting pay? Four sixty one a month. Oh, five and a quarter the first first five and a quarter the first year, and then six and a half the next year, and then third year was increment pay. Mm-hmm. Riding a bicycle, Raymond, you must have been making about a hundred dollars a month. <laughs> I have my first paycheck of a dollar an hour. A dollar oh. an hour. I wow. kept it to remind myself over the years. Okay. It was a $37.5 a week. Wow. And, uh, fortunately, I lived at home. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. married yet. <laughs> Were you still living over there across the street from where we used to live? Yes. Yes, I did. Amazing, amazing. And, 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 I, and I still look back sometimes at that paycheck to say, 
Things have yeah. really changed since then. Well, that's that's <laughs> very impressive because you can show your kids that and tell them to oh, complain yeah. about, you know, anything. <laughs> yeah, I I think mine was 475, 460, whatever Jim said. It was probably about the same thing. And mm-hmm. Jim Holder, I think you made mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was the Not opportunity of working for Eastern Airlines, definitely, yeah. you know. That's what made it happen. Yeah, and, uh, but but I I got my job through a different uh, way, and I like to share that because a lot of times you never know where your job's going to come from, and that is Duran Fisher, uh, who uh, Dick uh, I think was his nickname. He was VP of um, uh, human relate uh, human services, I believe, at that time, and. Uh, they Eastern participated in junior achievement, and then I was in high school, and I went to JA downtown uh, Miami every week, and I believe it was Bell South was the uh, sponsor for my company that I was involved in. But I met Mr. Fisher at, at junior achievement, and he gave me his card, and he says, you know, I was planning to go to college, but something interrupted that. And I took advantage of that card and called him. He set me up for an interview, and I was hired as a mailboy. All right. uh, Yeah, you just never know where the job opportunity is going to come from. And I tell my kids, grandkids, you know, you never know where it's going to come from. But it's out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I... uh... Uh, did, did any of you have any relatives that uh, worked for Eastern or ever worked for Eastern? I didn't. No. Jim Harris. Jim Harris did not. Yeah, Raymond, you didn't either, did you? Oh yeah, my wife. She was a flight attendant, a resident, oh. Oh, okay. a flight attendant, and a flight attendant recruiter. I mean, and before you were hired. Before you were oh, hired. No. Okay. All no. right. Yeah. And then my my uh, father-in-law was with Eastern. Okay. In stores. But uh, not before. I was the first one in the family. Yeah. Well, it's uh, amazing uh, the pay that they're making today, and that was my next question. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the, about the pay scales the airline industry is paying they're, especially their overseas pilots, uh, it's just remarkable. I don't know about the rest of the uh, jobs with airlines, whether mechanics are getting very good pays. Have any of you heard what a uh, an airline mechanic is making nowadays? Not a, I don't know. No. Flight attendants don't <laughs> no. seem to be doing it. I don't know about flight attendants. I think but, they're making uh, more than 100 a year. Yeah. Your flight flight attendant making... Yeah. yeah wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. The international. Yeah. The international. Uh, domestic, I think. I'm not positive of that. The oh. um, a friend of mine locally here is a is a captain with Southwest, and he's making 300 G's a year, flying a 737. Okay. Not international routes or anything. No. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> that is hard to believe compared to what we got in <laughs> yeah, the time since then. Of course, you and I, Jim, we was making 100 a year. 
<laughs> you and uh, the three of us, Neil and, and Neil also. <laughs> that, that was pretty good money back in, back when we were working. It was. It was. Yeah. I was happy with yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, I was happy too. I think that country squire probably cost about, I don't know what, fifteen thousand or something back in those days. So it's probably all less, I bet you it's a lot less than that. It could yeah. be. I don't know. It, it was a lot less than that. Mm. I don't know what a country squire is. I think you're is. right. I do. I think you're right. It's just a yeah. big station wagon. Probably oh, a nice yeah. station wagon. Yeah, okay. yeah country yeah. squire. Mm-hmm. I want to skip a Beautiful few of these car. questions here. Did you ever, you guys ever take a flight out uh, uh, without any passengers on board? A scheduled uh, flight? Yeah, scheduled flight without one passenger, paying passenger on board. I don't the think I ever did, no. I'm, Jim Harris never did. Okay. Well, my mother. I always had. Uh, I'll have to tell you this story about my mother on Savina Airlines. Well, and you probably remember my mother, Raymond. We live right mm-hmm. across the street from you. And when we got sure. past privileges, yes. the first place she wanted to visit was the Holy Land. She wanted a trip over to Israel. She wanted, to, and that was her first trip. And uh, she went up to New York on Eastern and caught Sabina uh, overseas. And she waited around, and she heard her name announced in the morning. It was in the morning. She had to spend the the evening uh, there at the terminal. And she heard her name announced. So she went to the ticket counter and said, would you like to take an earlier flight? And uh, she said, yes. And she said, well, we're positioning an aircraft and we'd like to have you on board if you want to go early. She was the only paying customer on that flight ever since. <laughs> I think it was a DC-8 or a 707. <laughs> Big airplane. And, uh, yeah, she, she told them all to go to sleep, you know, because they were waiting on her hand and foot. She says, go back there and go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> what airline was really, Huh? That what airline was, was that? Sabina. Do you remember Sabina? Sabina. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 World Airlines. Yeah. So that was interesting. But uh, and we did have some trips that went out, uh, very, uh, very few passengers on them. And uh, I remember some of the crews would tell management, you know, why, why do you keep this uh, flight? Uh, we're filling up on another route. Why don't you put more flights on another route and take – you know, because we're not hauling anybody. And um, sometimes the company would listen, and sometimes they wouldn't listen. So, but at any rate, uh, uh, what's my next question? Did you ever Neil, fly? Just... Yeah, go ahead, Raymond. You know, from the, uh, the other standpoint, when I was a counter agent in Miami, and um, – all of a sudden, we had the supervisor come up to three of us and said, I want the three of you to go down to gate such and such. And we said, okay. And so the four of us with the super, you know, three of us with the supervisor go down to the gate. Um, and the, the supervisor said they had uh, some oversales. So we go down to the gate and uh, we check with the agent there. And he said, well, why don't you go ahead and board uh, your passengers 
and uh, we'll take what's left over, bring back to the counter. Well, we did already. The flight is full. They had double booked the flight, and we had <laughs> the double the, the passengers. Mm. I'll never forget that day for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, well, what did you do? Did they pull out another airplane or what? Well, they we had to bring him in back into the main terminal, of course. Yeah, yeah. So that way, clear out the concourse, and then we had to go over everything. And we did have one one out of all the passengers. You always have one that got a little out of hand, and they had to pull him up aside and take care yeah, of him. Yeah. But the others, you know, they worked with us, and we worked with them. Getting them on other flights, and of course there was remuneration at, uh, for the passengers. I I can't remember what it was, uh, but you know it took several hours trying to get everybody back on yeah. board and uh, yeah. and taking the situation. But it was a real eye opener to get down there and find the the same amount of passengers were on the flight as yeah. was off the flight. Well, I. My son and every day. <laughs> my son and my daughter-in-law were going to come to see us last weekend, and um, they were coming because she put together four days that uh, she had off from SkyWest. She's a captain with SkyWest Airlines, mm. and uh, so they were going to pass ride. They go out to the air, airport, and uh, the book. They checked the booking the night before, and there were. 53 empty seats, 53. So they knew this is out of San Francisco to Chicago. They knew they could make it. And then from Chicago, they're going to come down to Jacksonville. And um, mm-hmm. they got out there at 7 o'clock in the morning. And they, were, they noticed when we came up to the gate, a lot of folks across the hall, the corridor, were standing around. Mm-hmm. Those that flight had canceled, and those people were now on their flight, and it was oh. overbooked. It was overbooked. Oh. So needless to say, they didn't make that, and the very next flight they were going to wait for had canceled Honolulu to Chicago, and they had to come to San Francisco, and that flight was full also. Oh, gee. So, yeah, at any rate, we didn't see them. I don't know when they'll come again because she gets very little time. But uh, okay, did did you ever fly a trip with passengers on your flight that should have been on another destination flight, Jim Harris? I think you had something like that happen, or you put someone off. Did but did you ever have a passenger that was not going to the destination you were going to? I did not. Uh, this guy here was was pushing back at LaGuardia, and. Of course, the ramp's asphalt, and it had a low spot in it, and too much fuel in the outboards. I was a new cap, had too much fuel in the outboards, and some fuel ran out the uh, the vent on the end of the wing. And the next thing I know, this guy's standing in the, in the cockpit. I laid, used to like the door open until we got out to number one for takeoff, let people know where there really was somebody in the cockpit, with white hair even. And uh, this guy's standing in the door, then he says, I want off this airplane. I said, well, sit down, you're getting off the airplane. That's a foregone conclusion now. So he uh, he said that, well, the fuel is going to run out the end there, going to run down on the on the brace, going to catch on fire. I'm thinking, you dummy, 
It's going to be blown off at 150 miles an hour. So, anyways, um, he he did get off the airplane. He didn't really want to get off, but I said it'd be a really good idea if you get off this airplane now because this is LaGuardia, and the cops wear boots. And they like to kick people. So he he was off he was off my airplane, and now now I got he's got all my pastures all scared back there about this fuel thing. So. I got on the PA and told him, I said, look, this is not supposed to happen, but I've seen it too many times. It's just like putting coffee in your coffee cup. You put too much in there, it runs over. <laughs> I said, I have, I've transferred fuel out of the outboards to the middle tank. It won't happen again. I said, I'm going to walk back through the cabin. If anybody's got an eye question about anything, you stop me, and I promise you I will tell you the straight, honest truth. Yeah. And when after I've done that, I'm going to close the door, and we're going to Atlanta. Walked mm-hmm. back to the captain. Nobody said a word. <laughs> so we, we closed the door. And, I guess yeah. I did. <laughs> hey, this is a funny story about about Jim King. Remember Jim King? I'm not sure I do. I do. Well, we just called him. Was he a captain? Yeah. Well, he retired, and I yeah, saw right. him in employees' cafeteria in Atlanta one day. And I said, hey, Sky, good to see you. I said, how long have you been retired now? He said, one year, six months, three weeks, two days, four and a half hours. <laughs> so I said, I said, I just assume you're not happy about being retired. He said, I thought it'd be fun to be able to go hunting when I wanted to, fishing when I wanted to, golfing when I wanted to, traveling when I wanted to. He said, but I've done all that. And this is what he I said, And he said, you know what I miss most about the airline? I said, no. This is the quote. He said, packing my bag and going somewhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're all vagabonds. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, did, uh, did you guys use your past privileges very much? Raymond, did you use them quite a bit? I did, and, and my mother did as well. Thank goodness. Your mother was there, Teresa. There was story. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. The, the yeah. thing is, the last time we tried to use them, uh, it's been a few years ago. It took us three days to go from Melbourne to Dallas. We got bumped in Atlanta for three days. <laughs> Finally, I bought a ticket. On, um, and this, we were on Delta, I think it was. We were on a, a pass on Delta. I don't know how we got it, but we got it. Anyway, we ended up in uh, Atlanta for three hotel nights. So if we had bought the ticket, we would have saved a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with, uh, tra- trying to travel. So other, after that, we said, no, we just buy our tickets. <laughs> yeah. Jim Older, did you ever have a passenger that uh, was not uh, going to the right destination? I mean, where you were going? Uh, uh... I can't think. I can't think. But I will tell you this: my father and my mother twice rode a fast, and I was tickled to death that they were able to do that. Yeah. It was their yeah. toward the end, you know. And boy, they just thought they would. Oh, they just loved it. And that both was of them, it was yeah. left, uh, Jackson, Mississippi, to Atlanta and back. Yeah. Huh? Well, that was when we had uh, the Eastern gave uh, the family members, of, you know, not the immediate, yeah. but yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, right. that was great. That and you remember we had a program that you could uh, buy a ticket and travel everywhere that Eastern flew. What what was that program, Raymond? That you 
You, the it weekenders? Was, was the, the weekenders? Yeah, weekenders, yeah. The weekender fair. And we had one guy, I remember, in the in the silver falcon or the silver whatever wings it was, the newspaper. He visited every city uh, on that thing. He paid for the fare, but it will allow you to go anywhere, anytime, you know. And he had visited all the cities. But uh, it's, it's amazing some of the programs that were developed over the years. Yeah, yeah. You uh, know, did you... one of the things that I saw on Facebook today gave me a big laugh, and it was somebody who travels quite extensively by the airlines. Shows a picture of the female with uh, the burp bag shown on the lap of her uh, uh, legs. Uh-huh. And, uh, and the comment is, no one is sitting next to me this trip. Why didn't I think of this before? <laughs> they just keep walking by. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. I saw that today, and I said, I have to bring it up on on board here (laughs) for a good laugh, you know. Yeah. Well, here's another good good laugh. Did any of you guys ever have a prisoner on board? Oh, yes. Several times. I had had one flight to L.A. We had – he wasn't a prisoner when we took off in Atlanta, but he was a prisoner by the time we got to L.A. <laughs> and I mean, he had three three Marines sitting on top of him. And, of course, the FBI and everybody and their brother met the airplane at L.A. because they had heard what all he'd been doing. And, uh, but, yeah, yeah, he was a, he was a okay guy when he took off, and he was a jailbird when he landed. <laughs> oh, goodness. How about you, Jim He's in big trouble for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. He, boy, he got in trouble. Yes, well. he did. Oh, I've had, I've had uh, law enforcement on board uh, with prisoners. That was yeah, the first. Well, let me let me tell you a funny experience, and this will be our last one. Uh, I had a flight into Jacksonville, and uh, 727 before the jetways in Jacksonville, the old terminal, uh, Imerson Airport. Uh, Imerson Field. I'm sure you guys landed at Imerson. Yeah, yeah. But uh, a gal escorted a girl prisoner, female prisoner. She looked like she was in her 20s. And uh, the rear stairs were down. But at any rate, she was just escorting her to make sure that she was going to be on the flight going to Atlanta. And I don't know where they were going to house her, probably in the big boy's home there in Atlanta, Federal Pen. But at any rate, she uh, took her handcuffs off on the airplane. The flight attendants were there to watch her. And when the flight attendants weren't looking, the rear stairs were down. She walked off that airplane, and I don't know whether they ever found her again or not. (laughs) She she walked right on off the airplane, the rear stairs. Oh, golly. Well, anyhow. Been good, really good talking to you guys today. Well, Neil, listen, uh, I've, I've listened very closely to what you said about the, 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 the troops, uh, the North and South and mm-hmm. Memorial yeah. Day and all that, and I was highly impressed by it. And I got to thinking about it. You know, I have had very, very, very few uh, in World War II of some, but uh, 
I knew that I had my great second great grandfather was in the Confederate um, Army. His name was mm-hmm. James McDaniel, nicknamed Mac Holder. And he was in the mm-hmm. Civil War as a private in the Moreland, Alabama Cavalry, Company D. He was captured near Iuka, Mississippi on January the 18th, 1865. He was received at a military prison in Louisville, Kentucky on January 28th and discharged there. He was sent to February. I mean, uh, he was sent. Discharged don't mean what I think it means because he was sent up to a Yankee prison in Camp Chase, Ohio, where he died on March 23rd. And uh, he's buried there in grave number one in 1796. And I thought I'd like to read that because that's yeah. the only only mm. known Civil War participant in either one of my families, Holder wow. or Farmers. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I had a, an uncle in World War II, and he was an Army, Army engineer building bridges during the war. And um, one of the bridges he was building uh, was bombed by an air, straight by an air, airplane, Japanese air, or, or German airplane. And yeah, well, I had space. uncles in World War Two, but he's the only one in the Civil War that I know of. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, a second we great grandfather. Raymond. I had an uncle uh, by marriage to my uh, my aunt that uh, he was uh, at Pearl Harbor, and he and his brother were on the Oklahoma. Mm. His brother did not survive. He survived. And I also had a great uncle that was there at Pearl Harbor, and he survived. And my and his children, twins, and wife survived. So, I got some special memories and fondness based on what they experienced uh, and with the stories that they've told to me. Yeah. Uh, when I was younger, you know, and these, these are things that are memorable. And you know, I try to let our kids know a little bit more about um, that type of history that they may not have realized personally uh, what the effect is. Well, thank you very much. That's great thoughts uh, at the end of the program. And uh, we've got Monday to remember and, and uh, Mm -hmm. certainly we'll uh, uh, remember those that uh, have given us the freedoms that we do have. We're very fortunate to live in this country still with the freedoms that we thanks have. Thanks Yep. And thanks to all the surviving members and uh, our thoughts are with them in this yep. particular weekend. And one other thought is that Jim and Jim Holder and Jim Harris and myself, we had the pleasure when we first came with Eastern Airlines to fly with those brave men that fought that war, World War Two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish I had asked them more questions. Most of them didn't seem to want to talk about it. You had to kind of beg them to tell you about their experiences. But um, I can think of any, two or three guys. You're right. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I'm going to turn it over once again to our friend that's been waiting to land the airplane, Hop Harrigan. And we're going to be out of here. 
And I'll see you next week. And don't forget, we got a radio show, and Jim Holder's written a wonderful story about one of our colleagues that you'll hear tomorrow, uh, Monday night. And uh, quite a, uh, we, we hope he shows up in person. No, we can't do that because it's a no-talk show. Yeah, but right. at any no rate, talk. yeah, you're going to hear an interesting story that Jim wrote about a good friend that all three of us know, Jim Harris, Jim Holder, myself and have flown with him. So it'll be an interesting story. Again, that's 8 o'clock. And uh, Memories of a Great Airline, Eastern Airlines, as told by its people. So tune in, 8 o'clock, and uh, you'll you'll hear that great story. Okay, Hop's all yours. Hey, Neil, thank you for what you do. Uh, enjoy it. Enjoy
it somewhere in flight They're taking you away Leaving me lonely Silver wings Slowly fading out of sight Silver wings Shining in the sunlight Roaring engines Headed somewhere in flight They're taking you away And leaving me lonely Silver Fading out of sight Slowly fading